You're listening to the Mother of All Solutions podcast, conversations about careers and caring for today's parents. So welcome listeners to Mother of All Solutions this summer. Um, I hope you're doing well. Um, School summer holidays can be tricky, so I hope everybody's managing um, as best you can and everybody's as happy as can be. Um, I've taken a little break from recording this summer. I I mentioned that at the end of the last episode about the marketing mums. Um, So yeah, so I haven't unfortunately been doing much recording but what I have got for you today um, is an episode from a podcasting friend um, within the community. I've got an episode from the brilliant Creativity Found podcast and Claire Waite-Brown is the host and producer of that and she has kindly um, said I could share an episode of hers with the writer, musician, mum, carer, um, fantastic person Carol Giles talking about her work and her creativity and how she manages that around her personal life and her life at home with her daughters. Um, She has four daughters, which um, she talks about a lot in her book, 12 Moons. And you can hear in this episode, Carol sharing with Claire a conversation about the book and the references and the inspiration um, and just her life really. And it's a fascinating listen. And 12 Moons as a memoir, as a book, is great. I listened to it as the audio version last month and thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I think Caro herself describes it as life writing. Um, so it is personal. Um, there's a lot that she shares, but she shapes it in the context of a period of a year's time and the cycle of the moons. And it's just very interesting. It's also set in Northumberland. And if you have a connection to the Northeast or rural landscapes in any way, it's also just really nice to kind of think about the place and the making of the place and that how influences the family and how the family use the place and personally I really enjoyed that um but that's you know lots of things in it from the family perspective to the place making perspective just to it being well written and it was a really good listen as well so whether you buy the book which has a beautiful cover or whether you listen to it on audiobook um, I'm sure you will enjoy it Um, Also for me it was really fascinating to hear Carol and Claire's conversation because obviously the book is a creative thing as well as a a kind of personal and practical kind of conversation about Carol's life Um, but within the conversation with Claire you get to know more about her decisions or what happened basically to Carol around mothering and work decisions which is obviously very very relevant for Mother of All Solutions podcast and hopefully for you as listeners um so Carol has gone through a career of acting and teaching and coming to writing later on although she'd done a lot of creative work as a musician throughout her career but how did she manage looking after her children and um, managing a work life and a kind of creativity perspective as well it's just really interesting so I hope you enjoy the episode as I say it's not my interview it's Claire's interview but it's lovely and the book is great so yeah listen in and yeah enjoy the episode and I will be back with an interview of mine um in September for back to school um so I'll hope you tune in for that but for now here's the conversation of Claire's with Carol I hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. Bye.
there was a sense that I could become lost within my marriage and within my mothering and within my home educating. And I wanted to try and retain that sense of self and understand who I was and understand what my worth was if I wasn't someone who was the main breadwinner in the family. I thought if I can write a book, it's something I can manage in my own time and maybe I'll make some money. Now that's just bonkers because hardly anybody makes any money out of writing a book, but I, my options were limited. I had a very, very sick child and I had no support. It was really nice to have that structure, which is actually very simple, but I think really effective because what I wanted to do was I wanted to write almost in real time what was happening in my life. I wanted to capture the urgency and the kind of the claustrophobia of what it was to be a single full-time carer. Hi, I'm Claire, founder of Creativity Found, a community for creative learners and educators, connecting adults who want to find a creative outlet with the artists and crafters who can help them do so, with workshops, courses, online events and kits. For this podcast, I chat with people who have found or re-found their creativity as adults. We'll explore their childhood experiences of the arts, discuss how they came to the artistic practices they now love, and consider the barriers they may have experienced between the two. We'll also explore what it is that people value and gain from their newfound artistic pursuits, and how their creative lives enrich their practical, necessary, everyday lives. For this episode, I'm chatting with Caro Giles, a theatre arts graduate turned actress, teacher, mother, home educator, carer and now published author. Hi Caro, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. Tell me first of all, what form your creativity takes right now? So I'm creative at the moment mainly through my writing, but also through music. So I write as much as I can and I'm exploring lots of different projects at the moment following the publication of my first book 12 Moons. I'm exploring different ideas on my own and with my writing group and with my agent and with my editor and just trying to think about what's going to be the next best project for me to work on and it's quite exciting that that period of time where there are lots of ideas floating around just trying to grab onto the ones that might stick. So that's where I'm at with my writing and I also am always creative through music as well. So that's just part of my daily life. I like to play the piano. I like to sing. I run um, a women's singing group in my house. And I guess alongside that, I'm always being creative with my children as well, most of whom are unable to attend school. So we're always working on different creative projects. So it's a very creative house. Fabulous. We will learn more about all of those aspects as we go along. Start, though, with your childhood. Were those creative activities or other ones, were they a big part of your childhood? I had a creative upbringing, although I wouldn't say that my parents were particularly creative, although they like to create now, perhaps more so later in life. My parents enjoy music. My mum is a really lovely artist. My dad likes to write. But when I was growing up, I was really fortunate that I went to a school where the music was really excellent. And I was lucky enough to have um, piano lessons. So there was always lots of music in the house. I was particularly drawn to music and to performance as a child. So I really loved acting and um, putting on performances. I would do that with my brothers and my sister. 
and kind of boss them around and tell tell them which parts they were playing. But I would also do lots of amateur dramatics, amateur operatic society, played in loads of musical ensembles. And that really was the glue that kept everything together for me. I was not so much doing any writing in those days, but I think through other forms of creativity, I was telling stories. Yeah, definitely. I used to love the amateur dramatics. I would always be in the um, chorus because I love to dance and I was dancing all through doing my GCSEs and A-levels in shows. It was brilliant time. I know that you did actually become an actor. Was that through a further education path? Yeah, so I really, all I ever really wanted to do was be an actor and my family were supportive of that. It was quite tricky Um, I went to school in a market town in Yorkshire, like a state secondary school. There wasn't a drama department there, which was, I think, why I did so much outside of school, because the school, school couldn't meet my needs in terms of acting. I was academic and my parents were really keen for me to do a degree if I could, because they knew that acting was a precarious career. So I managed, I really wanted to go to drama school though. And I managed to find a drama school in Guildford that did a full-time practical performance course alongside a degree, which went through the University of Surrey. So I got a diploma in acting and a degree in theatre studies. And actually later in life, I was very pleased that I had that degree because it meant I was able to, to find other work when acting work wasn't available. So you did get acting work. How does, how does a person do that? after education meaning how did you go about getting work Uh, with difficulty despite going to a really good drama school I wasn't particularly well connected I didn't come from an acting family I didn't come from a wealthy family and uh, the reality of being a jobbing actor is that you have to always be available for auditions and um, at the time it was really useful to live in London as well and so it was an expensive city to live in and I had to earn money but I had I was working in these kind of precarious temping jobs that would enable me to still go to auditions at short notice so it was really really hard I did manage to sustain an acting career throughout most of my 20s I was doing like a jobbing actor doing touring theatre mainly touring around the country it wasn't particularly well paid doing theatre and education working with um, outdoor theatre companies And I really loved it, but I felt like I didn't earn enough money. I didn't have any control over my life. One of the things I did to help that kind of feeling of being out of control was work with an arts collective in London. And we used to put on club nights and I used to sing in a band and we used to put on theatrical performances. We went to the Edinburgh Festival and I used to produce a lot of events. And so that was a really nice way to feel that I could could kind of manage my creativity myself but a lot of the time I felt that I was at the mercy of directors and agents and that was really frustrating to me um it's kind of a hand-to-mouth existence and I didn't feel like I was building a career in any meaningful way I was kind of just jumping from one thing to the next and not having that support network of having parents with a house in London or parents who were within the acting industry made it quite hard actually I didn't feel that I was that I fitted in very easily So was that the reason for stopping? The reason I stopped acting was because I had met someone I wanted to be with and I really, really wanted to have children and I knew that I couldn't afford to have children if I kept acting and I also knew I couldn't keep going on tour and easily look after children. So I decided... 
I'd been doing some temporary teaching and running drama workshops and music workshops in schools. And I decided to consolidate that by doing a year's uh, teach training, which is why the degree had been a real winner, because it meant I only had to do a year and then I was qualified as a teacher. So I trained in a little primary school in London four days a week and then a day at South Bank University on a Friday, um, which meant that I then was a trained teacher. And that has been something really helpful to to step back on and also something that now helps me to work with my own children who are unable to navigate mainstream education. So, yeah, it fitted together in the end. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I can I can understand. And lots of people, other guests have said as well about when you're kind of being creative at the mercy of other people or you're being creative for other people and it's not kind of coming from you, although you did have that with the collective, which is good. So once you've trained, then you were teaching. Did you go straight into teaching full-time? Yeah, I was working full-time at a really gorgeous little primary school just below Waterloo Station on Lower Marsh. And it was a very small primary school, incredibly diverse, really wonderful families. I really loved the pastoral aspect of that job. I loved the different people that I worked with. I felt like someone who'd come from a very white, fairly middle-class town in Yorkshire. It was a, it was just a breath of fresh air, really, to be immersed in so many different ways of thinking and living. Yeah, I, lo- I loved that job a lot. And I was there, I was only there for another two or three years because then I had my first child went back to work part-time and then we moved out of London when before she was two. So, yeah, it was only a, a, sh- a short stay in that school, but I loved it and made friends for life there as well, really. I have very happy memories of that place. Yeah. You mentioned that you moved. Why? Where? How? So we were living in a flat in South London, me and my husband and my baby, and um, we'd managed to buy that flat because I was a teacher basically I joined a scheme where I could there was like a first time buyer scheme but I think I felt increased I'm not sure how great my mental health was after having my first baby I felt quite isolated my baby didn't sleep at all I think I had some postnatal OCD that was never really diagnosed but I felt pretty rough at the same time that I had that baby lots of our friends moved out of London moved abroad actually or moved down to Brighton and places. And it just felt like our world had collapsed a bit. Everybody who'd been in the arts collective went off and did their own things. Yeah, so I felt like my support network had really gone away. My husband's job had gone a bit pear-shaped. And so um, it seemed like a good idea to move back up north at the time towards family. And it was cheaper up there. We could afford to rent up there. So we sold the flat and moved back to County Durham which was not where my family were but it wasn't far away because I managed to get a full-time job as a special needs teacher in County Durham so it was a big change because we moved from Peckham to Teesdale um, and I'd been working um, in a tiny school with primary children and then moved to a school with secondary age children whose main complex need was presented through their difficult behaviours so the kids were often very violent and difficult and I was just a new mum and trying to become pregnant again and working in this a very violent and um, male environment, very kind of typical Northeastern attitudes towards things, quite old fashioned at the time. Things have moved on, I think, since then. But 
yeah, it was a it was a huge transition. And also to be working full time wasn't ideal for me. I didn't want to work full time while my baby was still quite small. So there was a lot going on there. And it made it harder for me to be creative as well, because I was just really busy working and looking after my child. Do you feel then that you completely put your creativity to one side, maybe because of the working, because of the family? And I know that you were growing the family at the same time. Um, I think I was being creative through my job because I was head of music at that job. So I was doing music through my work um, and helping these young people to be creative. I was being creative through my parenting. I was occasionally doing some singing. I hadn't started writing at that stage. So it kind of it'd been it had been pushed to one side, but it was still being creative was still very much part of who I was. So I still would need to play the piano. I still would need to sing. I still would sometimes sing with bands, but it wasn't my job anymore. And so that my identity really changed at that point from being from being a professional creative to being something quite different. I don't think I overthought that too much at the time, but I think it must have been a huge transition, actually, looking back on it. Yeah. And your family continued to grow. Mm-hmm. You had more babies. Are you still working at that school throughout that time? How is generally life everything fitting in yeah I still was working part-time after my second daughter and my third daughter and after my third daughter we moved again up to Northumberland where I am now and I still continued commuting part-time I don't think I stopped working at that school until sometime after my fourth daughter was born so it was a lot and around the time that my third or fourth daughter was born so many daughters Um, my oldest daughter was unable to attend school anymore so I would then at that point I was also starting to home educate my children so I was home educating I was working and I was parenting and it was a lot and that's when I started blogging and that was one that my tentative step into using writing as a form of creativity so you began writing the blog You've explained when that was and a little bit of a little bit of why. Maybe can you explain a bit more about the contents of the blog, why you felt you needed or wanted to write it? And was that a step towards 12 moons, do you think? I started writing the blog, I think, to try and make sense of my life, which looked nothing like anybody else I knew. So I'd left lots of old friends behind. I was living in Northumberland with four babies and things were quite challenging within my marriage at that point and I was yeah home educating and home educating felt like a real like a really radical thing to do there weren't that many people home educating near me I didn't really understand what my daughter's needs were at that point other than school wasn't going to work for her so I was just trying to understand all of that and I guess I was using my background in education to try and explore a little bit why my child didn't manage at school and how I wanted to educate my children because at this point it was kind of a choice to home educate my child hadn't completely broken inside the system but she wasn't thriving so we were electively home educating at that point and I was interested in exploring what that meant and what we had lost within the mainstream system that my children were gaining by being home educated and I was also keen to think about my own identity within that as well because there was a sense that I could become lost within my marriage and within my mothering and within my home educating and I wanted to try and retain that sense of self 
and understand who I was and understand what my worth was if I wasn't someone who was the main breadwinner in the family. So I guess that idea of rediscovering myself, understanding myself, which is one of the strong themes in 12 Moons, did start to germinate through that blog. It also was quite political as well because I was thinking about why the education system wasn't working. And that's something I touch on in 12 Moons and something which I will continue to to explore through future books, I hope, as well. Did you find the writing process natural, easy? Did you need to work on it? I think I found that I had a natural style. Um, People told me that I wrote well, but I didn't really know anything about it. I just thought I was articulate. Like I'd enjoyed writing essays and stuff at school. I'd enjoy, I enjoy reading a lot. So maybe it was something that came quite naturally to me. I found it a really good way to connect with people, which isn't one of the reasons that I wrote 12 Moons, because I guess one of the things I was writing about was isolation, social and cultural isolation, as well as geographical isolation. So I guess it's something that came quite naturally to me, but also I'm someone who is quite ambitious. And so I did look for ways to further my writing like I would send off articles to places um, and I would review things and send them off and get them published and things. So I think I was also looking for a way to to develop my own identity beyond motherhood and home education. And are you the kind of person who will write as and when, when the mood takes, or do you have to hone a particular way of fitting it in a practice yeah so I can't just write as and when um because I'm a full-time carer and I'm a single mother so I make lots of notes and um I'm as prolific as I can be I think with the constraints in my life I did a I don't know should I tell you about the masters that I did because that was really influential in terms of me establishing a practice and a discipline around my writing. So I applied for an online master's in nature and travel writing around the time of the pandemic hit. And I'd been looking into master's for a while, but I couldn't work out how I could afford childcare. So I found this online one and wasn't particularly thinking I was a nature or a travel writer. But when I spoke to Stephen Moss, the writer who runs the course or ran it at the time, he said I could combine my life writing and the other stuff I wanted to do through the course. And so it was just was so accessible for me. And that was really a way for me to start to get proper feedback on my writing, to learn to be more critical of what I'd written, to learn to edit. It was really great in terms of meeting industry people. And it helped me just to develop a, a regular practice. And so I would get up and write every morning early and that was how I wrote my book. That's how I wrote 12 Moons. And I think, yeah, I think it gave me the discipline and the confidence to be able to to write a whole book. Although looking back now, I still can't even see how I wrote a whole book in lockdown with four kids. But yeah, somehow I did. And so I must remember that as I go into, as I go into future books. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a massive achievement. So explain to our listeners what the story of 12 moons is please okay so 12 moons is a year of my life with my children living on the edge and I like to think about this idea of living on the edge because it describes lots of different strands in the book so 
I'm exploring what it is to live on the edge of the country in North Northumberland. And I'm exploring what it means to live on the edge as a woman on her own, what that means to be a woman on her own and a single mother. And I feel like I'm on the edge because I am educating my children myself. We are on the edge because we are a neurodivergent family. And as you will find out in the book, sometimes I'm on the edge because life is really hard and it makes me feel like I'm on the edge. So this book follows me and my family over the course of a year. And it looks at themes of isolation and of regeneration, rediscovery. It's a love letter to the county where I live that I I guess I feel like I don't belong anywhere. And part of writing 12 Moons was trying to was trying to understand the landscape and try to try to make it feel more like my home. So there's lots of uh, place writing about Northumberland. And it's a story really of a woman finding herself again after completely losing herself inside her marriage. It's also a rallying call, a rallying cry to people everywhere to understand what it is when you have a family that doesn't fit in. Yeah, so it's kind of, it's political, it's it's deeply personal. I think I've written very honestly about my own feelings around divorce and around parenting neurodivergent children and around living somewhere in the middle of nowhere, miles from anybody. So I guess, I guess it's tied together by the moons that makes it something that's, it's a very universal story in that sense, although it's deeply personal to me. I feel like using the skies using the sea and the moons means it it can be applicable to anybody who's ever felt alone. Um, and that was, that was what I wanted to do was to try and reach out to other people who might have felt isolated in the same way that I have. I definitely believe readers will find, will be able to see some of their own experiences in your experiences and you write about them beautifully. It is a lyrical, beautiful, wonderful style that you write in. Thank you. Thank you, Claire. How is your writing style developed? How do you feel it is? And what's the difference? What's the change from going from writing a blog to writing the full book? And and was it your choice to write the full book? Did you say, right, I'm going to write this now? So before the pandemic, I had separated from my husband. And then during the pandemic, I got divorced. And that was a very uh, traumatic experience. And I felt... um, that I had completely lost myself through that experience. And so I did want to, I did want to write a book that wrote me back onto the page. I go back to that phrase again and again in 12 Moons. How can I write myself back onto the page? And then I wanted to write, had this idea of writing myself back onto the page. And I was originally going to do that by running a long distance running route from Scotland down to Northumberland, exploring this idea of being a woman on her own weaving in some of the nature stuff that had interested me on my course and some of the things about my local landscape that I really love. And then the lockdown started and my daughter got really sick, so I couldn't leave the house. And so I was looking for another another way to hang that story. And eventually, after lots of thinking and living and being, I came to the idea of each month being a moon. It was really nice to have that structure, which is actually very simple, but I think really effective, because what I wanted to do was I wanted to write almost in real time, 
what was happening in my life. I wanted to capture the urgency and the kind of the claustrophobia of what it was to be a single full-time carer and how I managed to extricate myself from my role as a mother and a carer. And so that worked really, really well. I managed to write most of it in real time. And the rest of the time when I couldn't write, I was making notes frantically and then going back and filling those bits in. So that way of writing just really fitted in with my lifestyle because I was writing what I was living. It's like I really am a life writer, not a nature writer. The reason there's so much nature in 12 moons is that I live in a very rural location and uh, my children respond really well to being out in nature. And I was writing about my mothering and about my life. So I guess that's why I don't call myself a nature writer. Um, it's just that my life at the time was was full of nature and it was it meant a lot to my very, very poorly daughter that we were that we were in the sea a lot. So I guess yeah, there were practical reasons and emotional reasons for for writing Twelve Moons. And also I'm very stubborn and like a challenge. So I think I wanted to prove to myself that I could actually write a book. Yeah. And you did. Yeah. And you got it published. Now, I've spoken to various guests um, who have self-published, been published traditionally, I say in quotation marks. You accidentally navigated the process in a less usual order, I believe. Tell me more about how 12 Moons has made it to the bookshelves. Yeah, I mean, there was some luck and some there was obviously loads of hard work, but there was some luck and good timing involved as well. So part, as part of our course, our masters, we were encouraged to enter competitions just as a way of, you know, having a deadline to work to producing another piece of work um, and potentially, hopefully having your work recognised and read by influential people. So I entered the BBC Country File New Nature Writer of the Year competition. And really, it was like I literally just got it over the line just before the deadline. I remember sitting on the bed, on my bed, and all my kids were around me and I was trying to edit this piece of writing I'd done about a rock pool. And the kids were talking and cuddling and rolling everywhere. And I was thinking, oh God, this is absolutely ridiculous. I'm just going to fire it off anyway. I was pleased with it as a piece of writing, but it just seemed improbable that anything would happen because everything was so chaotic around me. And then I won that competition and... Yeah, really, it was. It's not, you know, ridiculous to say that it was life changing because it was life changing, and that was how my editor found me at Harper North. She found my website and sent me a message through it. And on my website, I kind of arrogantly declared that I was currently writing a book, um, and I'm glad I did do that now because it made her ask about it. And then we started toing and froing, and she really liked what I had written, and she offered me a book deal, and that was really overwhelming but exactly what I wanted but at that stage then I was also encouraged to find an agent to help me negotiate the deal with the publisher and so I had a bizarre frantic few days where I was had a book deal on the table but still couldn't get through the door with any agents because it just was so hard to contact any of them and eventually the publisher introduced me to a few agents and through her communication I was able to to be offered representation by several agents and then found this agent who I'm working with now and so yeah it was just it was really intense like really wonderful but also everything happened all at once having been very slow and just me on my own for a long time now 12 moons is available to buy in shops and that uh yeah that's a really beautiful 
miracle, um, <laughs> which is a result of a lot, a lot, a lot of hard work. But yeah, it's kind of, can you see how luck and hard work kind of merge there? To... <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Competitions are crazy, really. They're just, you know, it's just someone's opinion. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it can mean everything to the person who wins because it just can put them in a position where the right person has read read their words so I'm really grateful for that yeah exciting and there's a bit of the slow and the quick as well where you've been writing in real time over the 12 moons and then the next bit is quick 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 this is going to happen now very interesting contrast the thing of the thing of of it being a memoir and being very personal and then all of a sudden it being picked up and it being taken out of my hands that was a that was a very interesting process to me but one that was managed really well by my publisher and my agent so I was fortunate to have their support and what about your feelings around lots of other people reading it uh I was good about lots of other people reading it I was less good and much more worried about people close to me reading it that was difficult but in terms of lots of people reading it, I was fine. My main concern was that I had not represented my autistic daughter's lived experience sensitively and appropriately. And I worked really, really hard to ensure that that was the case, both with my daughter and with another autistic writer and with my publisher and everything. That was my concern was that I had done a disservice to the autistic community, but feedback has suggested that I haven't done a disservice and so other than that I was really happy to say anything about myself but anything that was related to my children or my ex-husband was challenging and so I had to work very hard to make sure they were protected yeah that was the tricky bit yeah no I encourage obviously encourage people to read the book to understand how you did that Mm -hmm. to to see the ways that you've done that which are fabulous what about the future then and continuing to write and also continuing continuing to be able to fit that in to still homeschooling I'm not sure if you're homeschooling all of your children now but what's coming up in the future and how do you make that work still with family life so I have three children learning at home and one child learning at school Uh, there is a lot of administration and challenge involved with two of the children's education and healthcare needs. So that's a constant battle in terms of how much headspace it takes up, as not to mention all the physical kind of appointments and administration and the facilitating the learning. So I, I think the challenges moving forward will be, because I don't think many of these challenges will go away anytime soon. I am constantly fighting for diagnoses, for funding, for understanding, for recognition, for my children, for all those things. That I think that will be ongoing. I don't think that we have an education system that that is fit for purpose for some of my kids. And, you know, that's just an ongoing thing. I think the upside of that is that I will use my creativity to raise awareness of that and to try to effect change. I've got several creative projects on the go. One of them specifically focuses on trying to explain what life is like for children who cannot fit into school and why this country is not meeting those children's needs. So it's kind of, it's personal and it's political. And that's something I would like to work on. I also want to continue to explore stuff around female identity through memoir and life writing. So that I've got another idea for a book that's more based on that, which is more about me because it's hard to write about your children 
and there's only so much I feel that I can do that so I'm keen to kind of explore other things as well and then maybe I would think about doing um, something completely removed from all of that and try something new so lots of different ideas but how I will manage it is by getting up early and by just continuing to try and bash out a few hundred words a day until I get to a book because I know I've done it once before so I know it I will be able to do it again. But from where I'm sitting now with only a few thousand words under my belt, it feels like a lot, but it's kind of sustaining to me and nourishing to me as well to to be forced to carve that time out. And I think it's also really good for my children to see me carving out a career despite time being so precious and despite systems being so stacked against me and my family. Me writing the book has been something really positive for all of us and our home so yeah I'm just going to keep doing more of the same I think fabulous how can people connect with you so I'm often hanging around on Instagram or Twitter and my handle is at Caro Giles writes also tentatively looking into threads but who knows where that's going people can also email me at Caro Giles writes at gmail.com and my link tree is also all up there on my socials as well so please get in touch and tell me what you think or tell me your own stories I wrote it to connect with others so I'd love to hear from you fabulous thank you so much Caro thanks Claire I've had a lovely chat thanks for having me you're welcome thanks so much for listening to Creativity Found If your podcast app has the facility, please leave a rating and review to help other people find us. On Instagram and Facebook, follow at Creativity Found Podcast. And on Pinterest, look for at Creativity Found. And finally, don't forget to check out creativityfound.co.uk 